who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Who doesn't love a Charlie Brown Christmas? CBS aired this holiday classic for the first time on December 9th, 1965, and again every year for the next 35 years. So, for a significant number of us in this room, that classic Peanuts animation vibe, that tinny audio of Charlie and Linus's voices, the rhythm and the cadence of Linus reciting our scripture from the Gospel of Luke, all of that together evokes a certain seasonal nostalgia for us. It takes us back to people and places of our childhood, some of us, some of us were children then, others of us early adulthood or midlife with kids and grandkids, nieces and nephews, all who were gathered around for the annual airing of this longtime Christmas standard. For me, it takes me back to Winona Lake, Indiana to my dad's parents' house. We spent many a Christmas there, the long road trip from North Texas landing us in a house jam-packed with extended family. There were five of us in my immediate family, plus the five in Uncle Dale's family, four in Aunt Avalie's brood, and four in Aunt Peg's. Add in Grandma and Grandpa, and there were 20 people sleeping under one roof at these Indiana Christmas gatherings. It was not that big a roof, Basically, each nuclear family got a room of varying sizes, and any leftover offspring that wouldn't fit got tucked away into a hallway nook or a quasi-attic space that my grandfather had turned into a makeshift bunk room or a bedroom closet just big enough to fit a cot. Anybody else ever sleep in a closet at Christmas at the grandparents' house? I know I can't be the only one. When I think about it now, from a host perspective, if I were to have my whole family come and stay at my house, I would admittedly feel a tinge of inadequacy putting a kid in a closet to sleep. The accommodation might come with an apology. I'm sorry I don't have a real bed for you. I hope this will be comfortable enough. I promise there are no squirrels in here. But oh, how we grown-ups have lost our imagination and our sense of adventure, because how does the kid who gets to sleep in the closet see it? It is as if the greatest honor has been bestowed upon them. 
The 10 grandkids in my family growing up vied for the closet space. We were jealous of the favored grandchild who got it each year. We would all cram into said closet throughout the day just to play games and to jump around on the cot and all sorts of other nonsense. The smallest, coziest, unlikeliest bit of room in the house became the place of greatest joy. On the first Christmas night, tucked away in an inconsequential town in a simple peasant home, overcrowded with extended family and travelers, God carved out the smallest, coziest, unlikeliest bit of room. And it, too, became the place of greatest joy. Joy really doesn't need very much room. A grandparent's closet or a manger full of hay will do. Bethlehem was a town that nobody cared too much about back then, except the people who were from there. And according to the Gospel of Luke, as a census was being taken, all of those people had made their way back home. Presumably, people were staying with family. First century Palestinian hospitality culture would have required it. As we've inherited our Christmas story through the ages, though, we have laid some pieces onto it that just aren't there in the biblical text. We like our nativities set in stables that look like barns where baby Jesus makes his midnight entrance. We have an entire character, the innkeeper, who is mean and grumpy and heartless, turning away a very pregnant lady in her hour of need, all made up. He's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is an overcrowded home where the hosts still manage to carve out just enough room for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, who was soon to make his appearance. From the Gospel of Luke, Joseph went to be enrolled together with Mary to Bethlehem, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, so they were already there, we're not sure for how long, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. It's not an inn, it's a guest room. And it's full. But that doesn't mean the Holy Family was sent to a barn. Anthropologists and archaeologists give us the context for what a Palestinian home would have looked like at that time. Most homes were one room on a split level. The main room is where most of home life happened, and then the slightly lower level is where the animals would be brought in for the night to stay warm and to warm the house. The two rooms were divided by a feeding trough at mouth level for the animals and at floor level for the humans. A manger. A slightly larger home might have the luxury of an added guest room for when travelers passed through or when family came to visit. This particular home had one, according to Luke. But when Mary and Joseph arrived, it was already taken. The house was packed. Aunts, uncles, kids, grandkids imaginably crammed into every nook and cranny. It would be safe to assume even that this was Joseph's family. It would be unthinkable for him to be turned away by them. And so, a little more room is carved out in this already crowded house, right smack in the middle of it all. 
room enough to birth a baby, tend to the mother, resuscitate the father, wrap the newborn, and hold him up for all to see in the glow of the lamplight, and then lay him down to sleep in the manger, just out of the way enough so he won't be stepped on by a rambunctious cousin or a tipsy uncle. This little family, tired from their journey, not just their journey on the road to Bethlehem, but through a controversial pregnancy, tired from losing friends who judged them harshly, weary from a now-tarnished reputation in the community, tired from wondering what was going to happen, weary with anxious anticipation over this very unusual birth, this weary family found their grounding in joy as the tiniest, coziest bit of room was made for them. In that bit of room, God, the love of God, put on flesh and bone and took on fingers and toes and let out a birthing cry to fill the night and entered into our world. Joy doesn't need much room. At our weariest moments, joy comes when someone makes room for us when they scoot over so we have a place to sit and not sit alone, when they take our call so we can vent or whine or cry about the heartbreak we're going through, when they offer their own guest room as a place of respite, no questions asked, when they tell us we are loved and accepted when so many others have rejected us, that tiniest, coziest bit of room is an inbreaking of the love of God in flesh and bone. And the very same is true when we are the ones to make the room for the weary ones journeying this life all around us. Joy breaks in when we make space in the crowdedness of our lives for another person to know there is a place for them. I have recently gotten to know some of the story of a church member here at Platwoods who found himself making room in a most unexpected way. He lives alone and has for many years since his wife passed. Over time and through conversation with an employee at his regular coffee shop, he got to know her family's story. She and her spouse and their two kids were working hard to make their way in the U.S. after immigrating, but they had come up against challenge after challenge, as many immigrants do, and they were now needing to find a new place to live. I don't get the impression that he thought about it very long, but he reasoned that he had two extra bedrooms and space for kids to live and play in his home. None of it was being used. So he extended an invitation to this family to come and live with him as long as they needed to with one condition, that they put away rent money each month until they had enough saved for a down payment on a home of their own. He not only made room for them in his home, he was even helping them make room in their budget for their own future and stability. And four years later, the family moved out on solid financial footing and they purchased their own home. But oh, the joy that filled those four years of making room 
the shared meals, the bustle of kids, the evening conversations, the stories told. And even now, as I visited his home, his adopted family's artwork and photos adorn the walls. They call or visit weekly his life in a stage when perhaps he didn't anticipate it was filled with joy and life and love in the flesh. And so was theirs. Joy doesn't need much room. And when room is opened up for it, no matter how big or how small, a chain reaction begins. Because when God makes room for love, and love makes room for us, and we make room for others, where does it stop? It doesn't ever have to. God carved out the smallest and humblest of spaces to step into our world. And because the house was small and the people were ordinary, then the shepherds knew when the story was told to them that this was a space where there would be room for them too because they were humble and ordinary. They would not be turned away like they were in so many other places. And so they went and more room was made. And then even later, down the road, strange visitors from farther away Magi, who didn't fit in at all with these people of Judea, had heard that this was a home, a love, where room was made for those who would come. And so they went, knowing there was room for them too. And for the rest of Jesus' life, we see him doing what God did at his birth, making a little more room in crowded but unimportant places for the people who wouldn't otherwise come near, for the outcast, the diseased, the untouchable, for the people who would be a lot of work to take care of, for the skeptics who wouldn't know what to make of him, for the Pharisees who would outright disagree with him, for the children who would scramble through a pressing crowd to eke out a bit of room at his feet, for the women, the eunuchs, those usually around the perimeter of the room or even outside, he would clear a space right in the center, right at his side. And even for those who would at the end turn their backs and wouldn't make room for him, Jesus would say, come and walk with me. And those little spaces that opened up for people who wondered where they belonged, those spaces next to Jesus, the heart of God, changed their lives forever. Joy doesn't need much room at all. What could it look like today and in the weeks to follow for us to live a Christmas life of making room, to open up the crowded rooms of our lives for people wondering where and if they belong, if they are loved, it does not have to be as extravagant as opening your home for someone else to live with you, although it certainly could be. It doesn't have to cost you money, or maybe even very much time, although there's nothing wrong with that. Where is there room in your crowded schedule for a phone call or a coffee with the new person at work who isn't quite fitting in yet? Is there room in your cynicism for a glimmer of hope that the heart of your estranged child can and might still change? Can there be room at your table for a young adult who isn't welcomed by their own family anymore, whose identity is no longer approved? Can you save a seat at the lunch table for the newer student who is still struggling to learn English? Can you make a bit of room for the neighbor 
who doesn't see eye to eye with you on anything, but who you know is aching with loneliness. The back of this room on any given Sunday morning has seven or eight cafe tables, you can see them over there, set up where our students sit together for worship. And lately, it's been getting pretty crowded. It's a good problem to have. In talking about this crowded reality last week with a staff member, I said, that's awesome, we'll just have to get some more tables. She said, no, actually, they prefer to crowd more kids around one table. They'd rather be crammed together than divided up. We'll need more chairs before we need tables. And that hit me. We'll need more chairs before we need tables. Because joy doesn't need much room. There is no space too small or too crowded for God to make room and step in. What joy might open up in our lives when we join God in that holy Christmas work? There is someone you can make room for in your schedule, your routine, your heart, your home, because room has been made for you here in God's heart, in Christ's welcome. There is joy waiting to squeeze in this Christmas, hoping you'll move a few things around to make a bit of room. It doesn't have to be grand or noticed or extravagant or exhausting. The simpler and quieter, the better. The coziest corner or chair or closet will be just enough. Will you pray with me? God, on this holy night of wonder, you who are cosmic, take the tiniest bit of room and come very close to us. You step into the corners of our lives, heart beating with love, eyes shining with compassion, hands reaching with strength. In every crowded place of our lives, where we think there isn't possibly room for time or for rest, for empathy or for joy, remind us that these are the spaces where you do your best work. Open our hearts to the embrace you offer us and open our eyes to those who need it in turn from us. This Christmas night, make a bit of room in us for your love to be born again and again. In the name of the Christ child, great joy for all people. Amen.